begin the show. Hello, everyone. It's Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner, host of the Pete the Planner show, coming back to you on a recording. You are listening to this in a recording, unless you're listening to it live on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, or Twitter stream. I'm joined, as often, Kristen Alanius, or we shall call her Miscellaneous. Yes. Which is an old joke in her world. And Damien Very. Dunn. Hello. Hello. Oh. Good Good morning. Let's all point out some important things here for us today. Damien has a new backdrop. Uh, hey. For those listening on the podcast, you are missing out. Jameson is joining us. Oh my gosh. I thought he abandoned us for Susie Orman. Welcome or back. Welcome, <laughs> Jameson. We don't have as cool a jackets. However, um, we are here. Thanks for being here. Danza is back. Uh, Kristen, how is the home renovation project going? I know that's what you did over the 4th of July weekend. Are you, are you moved in yet? I'm not, but I'm moving in today, even oh. though half my house doesn't have floor yet. So we're just, we're committing at this point. So Dame, I've been thinking about Kristen's situation, not too much, not in like a weird, creepy way, but just in a natural way, not like an Elon Musk sort of way, repopulating the earth sort of way, but more of like a, like, is she really slow playing moving in? Because she is such an aggressive, like go person. Like I, this feels like it's taken a while. I am. Um, I can speak with a, a little bit of authority about this. Yeah. Uh, based on some some back channel conversations that I've had, no, she is not slow playing this. She would like to be in there as soon as humanly possible. It's just been a confluence of uh, obstacles have been slowing her down. Excellent use of confluence. Speaking of great words, Kristen, do you know the difference between the the words subsidiary and subordinate? Do you know the difference between the words subsidiary and subordinate? A subsidiary would be within, correct? And a subordinate would be under? Is that the primary difference, maybe? Kind of. I mean, a subsidiary is going to be a company under a company, like a, right. an offshoot. And a subordinate generally is speaking about people specifically. Mm. Aqua, Greg, and I had, yeah, Aqua, Greg, and I had a little <laughs> vocab lesson earlier this week. Good. Uh, Daniel, welcome to the show. Good to be with you. Kristen, are you just staring at Dame's layout in his background? Because I am. It looks so good. I I'm, I will work on it. I promise. When I move to my new place, there will be an ugly orange wall. You'll all love it. It'll be great. Uh, we officially moved into HQ2 this week. Officially, officially. Had a little champagne party uh, on Wednesday. HQ2 here in central Indiana which is just the second floor of our other office building. HQ1's on the first floor. HQ2's on the second floor. Uh, it's very exciting. Kristen, are you excited to see it? I am. When do I get to come? Uh, well, that involves you getting into a car and driving for two hours. So I'll be there in two hours. Dame won the naming contest. Look at Chad is joining us from HQ2 right Chad. now. Hey, Chad, get off of Facebook and get back to work. <laughs> um, so... Dame won the naming contest for all the different rooms and conference rooms throughout the uh, the campus, as we'll call it here now. Sure. Um, old Indianapolis venues. So mm -hmm. the Hoosier Dome, Market Square Arena, Bush Stadium, uh, Deer Stadium. Creek. Did I get Bush Stadium or did I forget that? No, Stephen gave you an addendum. On nice. It. Anyway, enough nice. of all this rigmarole. I think people want to learn some things about finances. I will note. 
it takes everything in my in my uh, intestinal fortitude to not bring up Elon Musk secret children with employees of his own organization. So I'm not going to bring it up. I think he's a high character individual who would never back out of a business deal, which will force him to purchase a $44 billion company that the other shareholders don't want him to buy at this point because he has proven to be an unsavory fellow. I'm not going to talk about that because I find that judgmental. We all have skeletons in our closet. Some of us have um, unknown children in our closet. Um, and so I will just leave it at that. Do you think, uh, do you think his time is, is running out as far as, uh, popularity and, uh, oh. uh no, God, no, it was like, not this got dark. Oh, no. like the pre-show conversation. <laughs> Maybe he's going to shoot himself <laughs> into space. Who knows? But, uh, I, I feel like he's had a number of missteps lately that might, uh, That's fair. knock him down a few notches on the M emirability M, M nobody knows being less admirable. Well, he, he has, uh, overstayed his welcome in my brain years ago. Um, so I don't want to be an early adopter of disdain. However, I will note, um, I believe your character reflects how you do business and vice versa. Like, I think it's all interconnected. I don't want to do business with people with a, have a poor character. I struggle with that. And I know in our society, we look at billionaires and we look at successful people and we're like, wow, that person's amazing. It's like, I think you got to separate the dollars from the person and, and you're allowed to self-evaluate. And it's not about judgment. It's just about, I don't really value those qualities. I mean, this is a little much, but this is how I feel. Yeah. Christina, are you out of favor with uh, Senior Musk? I I never I don't want to sound like I'm hipster because that's exactly where this statement is going. But to be honest, I never really got it to begin with. I think people have like I, I do agree that like his favor with the public has probably come down, but I never I never really understood to begin with. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, our 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 country struggles to. Uh, agree with who, who the most interesting people are, right? I mean, you're, we're all entitled to our opinion and we can be interested in people for different reasons, but I always feel like who has the best Q score in America? I guess we could kind of look this up. Who do you think, I want to look it up, best Q score. Do you understand Q score uh, people? No. Mm -mm. Q score is um, basically a popularity, a positive uh, perspective on a person when the Indiana 529 plan makes decisions of whether they still want me to be a spokesperson, I have a Q score because they have to say, what's the favorability of that person? <laughs> um, and and the most, so most common response was who? Yeah. yeah. Um, here we go. Uh, the recognized industry standard for measuring consumer appeal of performers, brand ambassadors, influencers, characters, Licensed properties and brands. Okay. Let's see if I can, let's see if I can make this work. This has to be a real person. It can't be like the gecko from the Geico commercials. I think they do that actually. Mm -hmm. um, oh, here's America's most liked TV personalities from 2018. That seems a little, I mean, we weren't even in a pandemic then. I got to find something. <laughs> I got to find something more modern than that. Um, here, um, what do you think? I, okay, here's 2018. This is going to tell us something about what has happened in our world. 
Oh, Lord. It'll be like Oprah Winfrey. Ellen. All right. Um, Peter looks on the internet, on the radio. Always a good show. Um, Shout out to the podcast. David Muir um, is the world's most liked TV, uh, uh, like TV media personality, according to the, the latest Q store study. David Muir, he's the ABC News guy. This was a complete waste of time. It was. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Lester Holt is up there. I believe it. Believe that. I saw him at an airport once. I feel like I've talked about that on the pod. Uh, he I was in a Phoenix airport. He was uh, disembarking. Wait, that's on a boat. Deboarding. Mm. Deplaning. Yeah. And he <laughs> much thinner than you'd think. Really? Yeah. He looks like he's a like he's got some decent size to him. He's tall and thin. Okay. He looked like uh, new coworker Stephen, who I don't think oh. either of you've met in person. I have. have you Dame, you Dame yeah. hands. Yeah. Oh, Kristen no. has them. <laughs> All right. Um, let's keep it moving. Uh, okay. Oh, this week on the show, why am I taking so long? I've got meetings. Oh. Um, okay. Um, we each chose a segment topic this week, and you guys know mine. I know Kristen's. Dames, no one knows. So, well, Kristen, yes, you know. How do yeah. you? Why well, I wanted to make know? sure we didn't choose the same thing. I feel like that's fair. All right. So, Kristen, now that you know what everyone's is, and uh, which topic do you want to start with? Mine, yours, or Dames? And you know what? Dames. As you make this decision, hold on a second. Oh, We're going full me. screen you. Oh, man. We yeah. talked about this. Yeah. Full like screen this you. The, this is what the people want. Love it. Uh, I love to watch how uncomfortable you are. Great. I hate this. No, it's okay. The people want it. Um, no. What's the order we're going with? Dame, me, and then you. Okay. Please try not to look away from the camera. I can't. I don't. <laughs> Do it to Damien. No, no one wants to. So Dame, me, and then you? Is that what you said? No. No. Okay. Dame, me, and then you. Well, I oh. mean, that is what I said, but I meant yeah. me, not you. Yeah. Sure. This, who's on first? Who's on first? Do you know the who's on first reference? Yeah. Really? I was probably dead for that, but yes, I do. You're Dame. really dead for that. Okay. I made a I made a Friday reference, the movie Friday, a smoky yeah. reference to yeah. uh, Aqua Greg yesterday. Oh. Right over his head and had oh. no idea. So then I may send him a clip of what I was referencing. And then after I sent him the clip, I watched the clip of what I was referencing. And then it occurred to me, probably shouldn't have sent that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there he is. Aqua Greg made it right there. Aqua Look at that. Greg. Everybody, there he is. Look how tall he is. Um, all right. Here we go. Anything else we want to say? I feel like there was something I was going to say this week that was worth noting. Uh, caught a lot of fish this weekend with Ted. That's good. Tremendous number of fish. I do have a lost fish story that I don't think anyone cares about, so I won't tell that. I did tell it to Chad. <laughs> Involves my children misbehaving, me getting distracted, and losing a giant smallmouth bass. But that's neither here nor there. Let's start the show. With Dame's segment, uh, I need to time the segments because I need to. Why am I taking so long? You guys. <clears throat> here we go. In three. Kristen, you do know the length of the segments, right? I've, I've yes. shared this with you. Okay. Yes, yes, thank you. Okay, just, you know, double checking. <laughs> Appreciate Three, it. Okay, two, one. 
This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And I believe someone in our organization still checks that inbox. Speaking of our organization, two of my colleagues, Kristen Alanius, Director of Education here at Your Money Line, and Damian Dunn, Vice President of Advice here at Your Money Line, uh, join me now. Hello, people. Hello, Pete. Hello, Pete. Quick update for the radio listeners. Damien has, uh, we, we live stream the shows we're going. Damien has a new setup, a new background. I highly recommend you go to the Pete the Planner Facebook page and check out Dame's aesthetic or to YouTube Live, Pete the Planner page or Twitter. And Kristen still has not moved into her home. I still have not. My background is still plain. And boring. I'm sorry. We are doing what the Midwesterners call a potluck radio show today, where everyone brings a dish to share. <laughs> How do you like that? Damien is bringing the appetizer. So, Damien, what is your segment for the show today? Pete, you know, I, I was going to talk about the four phases of retirement, but no, I, I had a question brought to me uh, the other day that I thought would be perfect for this format. The question is, Dear Pete, Kristen, and the other guy, my spouse is trying to convince me that our line of credit is a reasonable substitute for an emergency fund. I'm not comfortable with that. Am I missing something? I like this question. Kristen, uh, if someone called your money line and uh, you used to work with folks, coach them on there all the time, mm -hmm. how do you begin to, to break that down? I think that you start by not jumping. I think there's an, I think we all feel that there's an obvious answer here, which is like, no, do not do that. Um, but especially if this is maybe a potential point of conflict between two partners who are managing money, I think that it's really important to break it down into like, why is this maybe not the best idea? Um, and I think there are different lines of credit that maybe make me more uncomfortable than others. So like, is this a home equity line of credit? That makes me terrified. Um, is it a credit card? Do I love it? No. Do I, will I tolerate it? I guess I, I guess I will. So like I said, coming back to a, why is this not a great idea is the first thing not jumping on the bandwagon, which I think is our collective gut reaction. Yeah. I always think about like, if I don't want to eat poorly at lunch while I'm at work, then the best thing for me to do is to bring my lunch because mm -hmm. then it prevents me from eating poorly. But then I get into a situation where I don't have food. I don't necessarily want to eat the office snacks. And so then I'm faced with a tough decision and it's usually time-based where I've got five minutes to eat. And so it's going to be something quick and fast and likely less than healthy. So I feel like sometimes people put themselves in a bad decision-making uh, situation. And it's this exact one that Dane brings up here where a person says, Hey, an emergency could happen. We don't have an emergency fund, but the good thing is, we do have a line of credit, which has forced us to exhale and not care about the importance of accumulating assets off to the side to protect us. So I'm always wary of this. And I also want to be incredibly transparent. And I don't just mean the pasty nature of my skin. I, Mrs. Planner and I uh, more or less had a stage of our life early on in the early 2000s that was kind of like this. Right, we had some money, but our true bigger emergency fund was was access to credit. So, Dane, where do you go with this? 
I, I would much rather see a traditional emergency fund being used here. But I, I think the bigger question that, that this person and the other people that have presented this question to me need to start with is, okay, let's say that you decide you're going to really lean on that line of credit for your emergency fund. Do you have margin in your month-to-month budget to be able to pay that back? If you do, what are you doing with that money right now? Because if you do have the means to comfortably pay off a line of credit, I'm a little less concerned about it. But if you are living razor thin to where you are just squeaking by month to month, sometimes you make it, sometimes you don't, and your solution is an emergency fund full of credit, that's lining yourself up for some serious, serious issues. I think that's a great point because if you don't have the excess cash to build the emergency fund, if you find that you need additional funds, how do you then find that margin in your budget to pay off the credit that you've accumulated that now is accruing likely double digit interest? You know, one of the weird offshoots of this, and it's sort of derivative of this question is there are people, a lot of people, which that's always good anecdotal evidence, uh, that use 401k loans as their emergency fund. They'll say they view emergency as emergency access to money, not actual money. And I think what also bothers me about this is, I mean, I I ask you to, and I ask anyone listening to reflect on this idea. If you have been fortunate enough and diligent enough to build a proper emergency fund and you achieved that mark and you felt a way about that, then it allowed you to spend more freely on things that interest you because you created a level of stability. And that stability comes with knowing that in an emergency, you're okay. If you're using a line of credit instead of an actual emergency fund, you're still going to exhale. You're still going to have that feeling of we can spend more freely now which is a really nasty habit. And the longer it goes on, the harder it is to reverse. Yeah, and you could, I do want to kind of play the other side of this a little bit though, which could be that in the event that someone's relying on a 401k loan or a line of credit or potentially like a personal loan or something in the event they had an emergency, if you could shift your behavior, if you could find the money or find the margin to repay that obligation and then take the repayment that you were forced to make because someone told you it was due and then build your emergency savings with that, sometimes that could adjust someone's behavior. So from an anecdotal behavioral perspective, you might learn to be better with money over the long term and improve your financial health almost accidentally, I think. Yeah, there are two other actually really good examples of exactly that. That's what people often do when they pay off a car mm-hmm. is they'll continue to drive the car they just paid off and then build up uh, you know, a, a fund for the new car, uh, the next car, I should say. And my favorite application of that idea is a pre-retiree paying down consumer debt aggressively. So then when they hit the retirement date, they simply... Um, need less money. Let's say you're paying $900 a month aggressively towards consumer debt heading into retirement. I would try to have that matched up with your retirement date. And then you you have $900 a month less of, of, of living needs because that money had gone to something else. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting way to retire on less. 
the other real common uh, instance of that, Pete, is we see individuals who have really, really big childcare expenses, and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do uh, for saving for college. Well, once the kids get into school, normal school age, you should have a, quite a bit of margin in your account uh, or in your your budget because you're not paying childcare expenses anymore. So you can really lean into billing up 529s or, or brokerage accounts or however you choose to save for it. Uh, and really not have any impact to your day-to-day, month-to-month budget. Well, I love it. Kristen, this has been our first potluck radio show where each person brings a topic. Dane brought the appetizer. Us Midwesterners would identify that as deviled eggs. Uh, And then coming up after the break, I will bring the main course. So I want everyone to pull up a chair, lawn chair, make yourself a plate. I will provide the main course, and then Kristen is going to bring dessert. And in the Midwestern way, it's probably Rice Krispie treats or some form of Jello salad that no one eats, uh, but everyone looks at. Uh, so that's what we're doing here on the Pete the Planner Show this week. Uh, so coming up after the break, what does a planned layoff increase in June of 2022 mean for the coming months? I will share that beefy main course with you next, right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. I want to note that even though I started the outro really early and so I had to really draw it out, still pretty good outro. I, Have uh, you seen? Oh, go ahead. I, I want to note that you asked twice on what order we should do the segments. Yeah. And you still got it wrong. You still got it wrong, but it's fine. No. She said me, and when I hear me, I think me. me. <laughs> Even though she said me about herself, but when I repeated it, I said me. You know, so, my sister to that would say, not everything's about you, is what she would say. Well, she's uh, what's the name of the show? <laughs> um, so, the uh, Pete Dunn show? Bill, oh, stop. <laughs> you did it. Stop. You said it. I hate that. That I was, um, I was, I, so I was on TV last week with my friend Gary Dick, and he, uh, in the prompter, he, he's reading, he's like, Pete Dunn, it says Pete Dunn, CEO of your money line. But as he goes to say it, he knows he switched it on the fly to Peter Dunn. Pete Dunn just sounds so bad. Bill Kirsch notes <laughs> what Pete just said prior to retirement, we made large payments to get the home mortgage and the one vehicle that we'd purchased using our home equity line of credit. Yeah. See, there you go. Uh, Danza, uh, one time listener of the year. I guess they take a hybrid approach. By where's big where's big Rick Swank by the way today? Yeah, he sleep in. Is he a uh, sleeping like Kristen hours here where he sleeps in? Maybe. Uh, I use my credit for emergency, then spend the grace period creating as much margin as possible to pay, and finally take the balance out of the emergency fund just in time to avoid interest. All right, so do we go reverse dinner here? Where now we have dessert second. Sometimes I have to do that to seem like a cool dad to my kids. Um, <laughs> Should we do that since I misspoke? Or do you think people it want the beef sense. now? Radio's going to be all confused if if you mix things up. So you better do your segment next. Okay. So but, we, what, what we can just note is this for podcast listeners and the live stream listeners that I I have made my first mistake of the year. <laughs> Actually, my first mistake was last evening. Do you want to hear about a mistake I made? Do you have time to tell Do us? We? No. Kristen, I have been married uh, for 22 years this month. 22 years. I am 44 years old. I've, I, I'm half my life. Half your I've life. spent with this poor, unfortunate woman who's just <laughs> lovely and doesn't deserve any of this. So I'm 
I get home from work last night. I'm mentally a mess. And I said, Hey, uh, we're going to, we're going to get carry out last night. And I was like, do you want from this place to this place? And she said, um, mm, let's go. Give me a couple of minutes to think about, think about it. I said, okay, pulled out my iPhone, set my timer for two minutes. <laughs> and I was, and then it went off and she's like, what's that? And I was like, you said like, what's your decision? And she's like, are you, are you kidding me right now? And I was like, Okay, maybe I should stop measuring things. Maybe I'm done for the day measuring things. I live in a numbers world. And so that yeah. was a that was an unforced error. It was not good. I could have told you that. No, well, I know that. I just was mentally exhausted and I was not in my <laughs> normal f- frame of mind. Whew. All right. Now it's time for the layoff story. In three, two... I almost ended the broadcast. Oh my lord! Why did I do that? Because I, 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 I felt like I needed to press something when I got to one, and I almost hit end broadcast in three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, it's the potluck edition of the Pete the Planner show. Each of the three co-hosts will bring big energy, like Big Rick Swink brings energy to the show, and we will bring a topic to discuss. Um, Dame talked about the importance of not using a line of credit as your emergency fund. And I would like to bring up a story that I read, uh, just this week that terrifies me a little bit. Uh, and that is that the, uh, June planned layoff announcement meant that there's a 57% increase in planned layoffs across corporate America in June, a 57% increase from June uh, compared to the previous month of May of 2022. And the question becomes, is that one of the ultimate signs of, uh-oh, here we go. So Dame, I, I want to put that out to you, but I also want to note that uh, a report here Friday, the 8th of July this morning, the U.S. economy added 372,000 jobs in June, which is a significant increase over what was thought to be 272,000 jobs. So it was a, you know, a lot more. Uh, so, so Dame, are you concerned by 57% increase in planned layoffs? What we don't know is are some of those seasonal. Uh, we, we don't know a lot of the context behind that. Do we normally see a, a, a ramp up going into the end of summer as, as travel season starts to potentially wind down as well? So I, I need a little bit more context to f- make a decision one way or the other. Um, in the bigger picture, what we also know is labor is a lagging indicator. Uh, so what we're seeing here, if, if we're worried about the economy, in general is that you know this is already pointing to something that we should have already kind of figured out at, at this point so hey i'm i'm not um i'm not running for the doors just yet but it's something that we probably want to keep an eye on going forward i will note that layoffs often happen at the end of a quarter <laughs> so it is worth noting that there's going to be a natural increase in june the auto industry announced 10,198 cuts of the 32,000 cuts that were made in June. And typically this time of year is where auto manufacturers lay people off. Kristen, sometimes we forget that part of the business model of some of, ma- some of our manufacturers uh, in a global sense is that they regularly have planned layoffs and then they bring the people back. Uh, just as Dane mentioned in a seasonal way, how, how difficult do you think it is to run a financial life 
if you know that you, you don't get an income for three months? I think it's really difficult. I should say I know it's really difficult because there are many people in my life who work in like the RV industry, for example, who they there's a lot of layoff that comes with that. Maybe a week here, a week there. Maybe we work four days. I know there's already one facility near me that I think they're working three days already. So I think it's really difficult to plan your financial life when you have these ebbs and flows in your income. And then to circle back a little bit to Dame's point, 57% does sound really scary, but 57% increase from what? Are we still, are we low compared to normal? So I do think hearing that sounds scary, but I'm hopeful that it's not as intimidating as it seems when we read that percentage. Yeah. I think we have such a low unemployment rate, Mm -hmm. just a, a massively low unemployment rate that It's never fun to say this is the normalizing of that rate because that trivializes and marginalizes the people who have been affected by layoffs. And so I just in the same way that when I like to say a recession is the solution to a problem, in a way, I end up throwing people under the bus who have to suffer through that recession. But it is also true. I mean, part of of uh, of removing the outliers of super high unemployment and the super low unemployment is that normalization process. And I think this is that. Now, my thought just fell out of my head. I was going to (laughs) say, I was going to say something about what Dame said, but I totally lost it. So it must have been a lie. I will say this, that um, capital is getting tougher to uh, acquire, if you will, to secure Mm -hmm. for organizations. So if they run out of what we call runway, uh, they run out of money towards the end of a quarter where they were going to raise money to continue business operations. One way they have to solve that if they can't secure extra funding, private or public funding, is you have to lay people off, right? Um, I, I think even this morning or, or yesterday I read you know, into July that uh, Twitter laid off a significant number of its talent acquisition force um, because th- they froze uh, hiring uh, with the Elon Musk faux uh, acquisition, right? And so... I think you're seeing a lot of companies figure that out. Netflix also really struggled so far this year and subscriber count. And so they've laid off a tremendous number of people. I think this is just the economy cooling off as it naturally would, given that 2021 was so weird, so wild. I remembered what I was going to say. It was about the auto industry is that if you've talked to anybody, Pete, you included, who's tried to buy a car recently, it's a nightmare. There's no cars, there's lotteries, there's premiums. So there are some industries that as a consumer trying to read an article like that and then trying to like mesh those worlds together is very difficult because how can I be in a lottery where they're going to give me the privilege to pay the full price sticker price for a vehicle, yet there could be layoffs in the auto industry. So I think that that's a difficult thing as a consumer is to try and understand how these two things might be coexisting. I think I saw an article in the Wall Street Journal this week that also said there's 1.9 job openings for every uh, person who's seeking right now as well. So it's it's kind of if you just look at the numbers in their own little silos, it's kind of hard to to rationalize both of them. But I think we're on the right track of of figuring out that you know some of these things are cyclical and uh, they're planned and that the people know well in advance that that this is going to happen. And you know if, if you're in landscaping in certain parts of the company or country, there's going to be 
periods of time where you probably don't have a job until you're waiting for snow to fly and then you're going to start pushing snow. So there's all sorts of things that, that may go into this figure. Did you just make a pushing snow reference in July? Yeah, sure. Why not? It's on, no. it's on brand. Uh, Dame, how much do you think the great resignation ritually was people going and securing higher paying jobs at other companies how much are we starting to see some of the impact of that? I mean, I know that you and I both have heard a story of a person being headhunted away from one opportunity uh, for a startup only to find out less than a quarter later that that opportunity went away and the person had to, to regrip and start over. Like, you got to think there's going to be more and more of those stories that settle out from the great resignation. Yeah, I think that's a, is exactly what's going to happen. There's going to be a number of folks who were hired away for these jobs were too good to be true, and things didn't pan out like they were they were promised or they envisioned because, well, the the runway ran out. Uh, there was no more money, and times are tight, and they've got to make sure they keep the business afloat. So they're going to go through their employees and and start cutting back to make sure that they can they can still maintain the business and. The story that you and I both know is is really regrettable, but uh, that's not going to be the only one. There's going to be lots and lots of them. Chris, I also think this is where industries start to sort themselves out. There are certain industries that are doing fine, would do fine in a recession. And I, I think just in the way that people have to choose where they live, like what state do you want to live from an ideological standpoint? Do you want to live where you believe you know, is the best place to live. I think also we have to stop looking at jobs as here's my income. Now we have to start looking at it as what is a good long-term prospect? Cause from an auto industry job standpoint, I'm hearing that if, if you get laid off every few months, uh, which is a planned layoff, that does not really speak of, of stability. How much do you want people to consider that? I think that's the most important thing is looking at the long-term and not just the wage that I'm being promised today. I, th I think that's priority one. Coming up after the break, we put the cap on this potluck radio show with Kristen's topic for the day. What is beyond 529 plans? That's next right here on the Pete the Planner show. All right. Um, I did a miscalculation there, but we're okay, everybody. We're okay. <laughs> um, Red. Oh, my man, Red's in. Uh, what's weird is I, I love the name Red. I, I think it's a cool name. But growing up a ginger, people would call me Red all the time. And I actually didn't like when I was called Red, but I do like the name Red. I have an uncle who retired from Chrysler for 35 years of service, and he knew that every year in August he would be laid off. So he became a barber, no hairdresser, in, uh, or uh, no hairdresser in the interim. Yeah. I mean, I feel you. It does help to know ahead of time. School school teachers pick up summer jobs all the time. That's mm -hmm. a planned layoff, essentially. You want to hear something weird? I'm trying to think how I can talk about this. Um, my, mm, we'll go with it. Makes me nervous. It makes me nervous. <laughs> if I'm if I'm acting nervous, do you realize how nervous I really am? M my daughter was uh, granted. Uh, permission, my 13-year-old daughter, to apply to an academic honors something, 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 okay? And there's an application process. And part of the application process 
is to get a teacher to write a recommendation for you. But, but we received notification, as did most other young people in this situation, late June. And the application with the letter of recommendation was due like next week. And, and my daughter is struggling naturally to track down a teacher who can write the recommendation, not because she's a ne'er-do-well who doesn't deserve a recommendation, it's because <laughs> teachers are out on their contracted break. So like, yeah, that doesn't seem fair, not to my daughter. It doesn't seem fair to the teachers that there's this undue pressure on them to, oh, step up and get back in the system to, to get these kids in this, these honor societies like that. That seems unfair. I mean, could it could it be a, a former teacher and, and maybe not even one of her former teachers, but somebody who was formerly a teacher that may live in the same household? Do you want my, my wife to write my daughter's? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, if they're going to be unfair about their their uh, you know requirements, then you might as well try and think outside of the box a little bit. As long as she signs it, Mrs. Planner, nobody's going to know. That's true. Um. All right. Kristen, are you ready to do this? Yes. Do you want to come back and, and like start the segment all together? Or Please do you... don't make me no. do that. <laughs> <laughs> I named do it once and once. it proves harder than it looks. Once. Yeah. I believe it. It's a, do you want to try it? Please don't do that. Dame, do you want to do it? I could have done the opening of the show, I think. Okay. But I don't know about, I can try it. And, and, okay, let, we'll do it. And, and here's the thing. For those listening and you're thinking, it's not that hard. <laughs> it really isn't. It can't be that hard. Let me tell you, it's a lot harder than you think. But you're the about whole to thing is harder than it looks, I, in my opinion. That's fair. That's the fair. awkward silences, the yeah, not talking over each other. <laughs> I've had uh, awkward silences since middle school. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dame, you're going to bring us back. And uh, yeah. whenever you start is when I'll start the clock. So you, you uh, maybe count us down and, and go Touch after down. it. And then you're right. going to have to, you know, introduce, you just reset. You're going to have to reset. And then you're going to have to, to make sure Kristen can uh, offer her topic and then everything will start. Okay. Uh, you got a new you, background. So you look good. You can still close the, uh, the segment though. No problem. I, we'll have Kristen close the segment. No, <laughs> no, I'll close the segment. Okay. All right, Dame, All right. count down and I'm ready when you are. In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. That's right, everybody. We found some stability through difference. That's right. This is Damien leading us back in from the break. It's a nice change, isn't it? Doing a little potluck today. I started off uh, talking about uh, emergency funds and lines of credit. Pete really depressed everybody talking about planned layoffs. That leaves one member left. Kristen. Kristen's going to talk to us about... What is beyond the 529 plan? So I had someone ask me um, earlier this week, they have three children. They have two 529s. So their third kid has just been left out of this thus far. They are lucky enough to live in a state where there's a tax credit for 529 contributions. Uh, spoiler alert, that's $5,000 in contributions. That's what they're doing at this point. It's Indiana. And they are not sure do they open a third 529 
and or do they need to where do they put money in excess of this tax credit that they're earning? Do they keep using the 529 or do they look to other vehicles? So I volley back to Dame, brother of Peter Dunn. Host of the Pete Dunn Show. Oh, <laughs> Damn, out what of say you? Where where do you put the money? Do you open the third five twenty nine? Where does it go? Can we talk about where not to put the money and kind of back into this a little bit? Yes, yes, I love that. There are some people who would say one of the very reasonable alternatives are UTMA or UGMA accounts, which. I am not a fan of for one really, really big reason. And that is the kid gets in the neck. (laughs) You all that too. Uh, Kids get control of the money at either age 18 or 21. And while that may work out okay in a lot of circumstances, if this money was set aside for educational purposes and that's what you really want it to go for. And uh, junior is at, uh, big state university and gets control of this money and all his friends are going on spring break to Cancun. There's zero stopping him other than maybe some veiled or not so veiled threats from mom and dad to use that money to go on spring break. I I think Ugmas and Utmas are well-intentioned, but the wrong vehicle for college planning. Pete, do you Mm -hmm. see it differently? No, I I mean, I, uh, I don't see it differently. In, in in transparency, of course, anytime we have to talk about this topic, I'm a paid spokesperson for the Indiana College Choice 529 plan. So uh, I want you to know I'm separating my comments from my paid duties as that spokesperson. Um, I use the Indiana College Choice plan. I fund every year in excess of that $5,000 threshold for the tax credit, which by the way, wink, 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 that threshold is going up. The tax credit is increasing here very soon allegedly. Um, and so I, my, the answer to the, the, the question for me is I just keep going. Like, um, Roth IRA isn't necessarily an option for some folks, uh, but a Roth IRA is a good second place, I think, to, to put funds for this. Kristen, uh, can I assume that Roth IRA was the route you were going to go? I, I think they have to have a 529 for each kid because I personally believe in like financial equitable financial contributions when you don't yet know, you don't know what if your young children will go to school. So I would like to see at least the three accounts and then equal contributions to those accounts first. And then after that, I would probably recommend the Roth, but I would recommend a separate Roth so that from a mental accounting perspective, that Roth is not used for retirement planning if we're sitting in front of a financial planner or we're running our own retirement calculations. Because if you need that money for education, we can't also be putting it in the calculator we're using to see if we're preparing for retirement. And that's that's the ticket for me is I don't know that everyone has the ability. I, Dame, I think, could maybe speak to this. I'm sure you can too, working on the line, is that sometimes we have to know our own behavior more than anything else. And if you can't separate the use for those funds, then the 529 is the way to go, in my opinion. You said something kind of interesting there, equitable contributions. Do you think that um, is more important than trying to get balances to where they should be. Let's say your kids are stretched out over eight years. Mm-hmm. Market conditions can play a huge difference in the balance of those accounts at, at any given time. If one of them, if one of the kids is lagging 
way, way behind on where they, they should, what you would expect them to be uh, at uh, balance wise. Do you think it makes any, any sense to really just start loading extra contributions into the account that's maybe not performing quite as well? That's a good point. And I think it depends on which kid I am in this scenario, how I feel about <laughs> it. Because <laughs> if I'm the kid with the bigger balance, I said, I don't care. We, I want equity in my contributions. But that's a really good point is that as the parent managing the account, or maybe grandparents or aunts and uncles might be involved, or maybe if you have, if one of your children is from like a previous relationship, for example, and maybe grandparents are contributing to that account, but not your children from a current relationship, like there could be family dynamics that could affect your planning potential as well. So that's uh, super good point. Let's talk about 529s real quick. Uh, for those that may not know exactly how those work, and you may have said something that, that flew right over somebody's head, or maybe they're just wondering. Three kids, two 529s. What if one of those kids that has a 529 doesn't go to college? What are the mm -hmm. options for the money they've got saved up in that account? Sure. You can actually change the beneficiary on a 529. So if two of the three decide to go, you could take the balance from the third child's account and basically give that money to the other kids, or you could use it to go back to school. So you do have options before you would have to pay a penalty if you didn't use those funds. And to carry on with that, the penalty, I believe, is 10% on just the growth in the account. It's not your contribution because your contribution is already post-tax. So I think that's an important distinction too. I think one of the excuses people use uh, to not put money into a 529 is that they're afraid they're going to have too much money in there. And, 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 and so, Christian, to your point, that would be what would happen. Uh, you know, You would just have 10% on the growth. Uh, an issue there, but I don't know. I gotta be honest. I've literally never seen that happen. I, I've never seen someone go, I got too much money in this thing where you figure out what to do, especially if you got three kids. Um, I think it would be nearly impossible unless you're in just an astronomical income bracket to have too much money in your 529s and you have three kids. It seems, it seems virtually impossible. Yeah, that's fair. I do in a situation like this too, if you have the cash flow to be able to make some pretty significant 529 contributions, I do think looking at the tail end of this from a planning perspective is worth uh, just a little bit of a look too, because you also have the American Opportunity Tax Credit. So if we didn't talk about what their goals were for college funding, and I don't know them to be honest with you, but if they're only, let's say they're willing to put up half of what the kids need for school, maybe they are running the risk of overfunding and maybe they want to use the American Opportunity Tax Credit too. So I do think you have to look at what do we want to contribute? Are there any other advantages on the end of this planning of this timeline? And then maybe work that equation backward. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, my daughter's got five years left. Uh, she's 13, right? And so how's this works? Going into eighth grade and then there's freshman year, sophomore, junior, senior. So I guess in, in the sixth year, she would then be in college. Dame, I look at her balance now, which I'm very proud of. We worked really hard to get where it is. Uh, I, of course, I looked at the balance prior to the market downturn. But, I, I, you know, Mrs. Planner and I last night having this discussion, it's like, yeah, we're, we got to pick it up. We got to we got to go because uh, we've been saving since the day she was born. And there's no way we're going to have more than we should in there. 
And so you go to this point of Kristen's like, well, some families are like, well, uh, we're, we'll, we'll do 50%. If that's a decision, I'd like that decision to be made up front, not along the way or, or at the end, because yep. I think it impacts planning. If you're running a little bit behind or, or you think you need to pick it up uh, and you've done a nice job accumulating assets for that this far, do you think uh, maybe you direct some of that money towards a brokerage account instead of putting it in a 529? That way you've got a little bit of flexibility with those funds in the future. Po I mean, possibly there's some tax ramifications there. I, I would note before we go to break here, the other part of this too is having for us having to plan our, our mortgage to be paid off, right? That, that increases cash flow significantly at that time. But we'll talk more about that after the break right here on the Pete the Planner show. I just got to say, Damien, you did a fantastic it was good. Job. It was like the way that Kristen's tone there, the way she said it was good, seemed <laughs> like it wasn't good. But I thought it was great. <laughs> no, it I, was I'm, good. I just my natural tone of voice is sarcastic. I meant yeah, it. I, I'm really familiar with that tone of voice. Sometimes I'll come down uh, getting ready for work. And this is, you know, prior to not being able to sleep and just coming in at six. And, and my wife would be downstairs. and I would say, how does this outfit look OK? And she's like, yeah, 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 it looks great. <laughs> And, I've, and, and to me, that meant there it is. I'm reading the paper. And by the paper, I mean the news on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. All right. Moving along. Moving along. Biggest waste of money of the week. Yeah. Damn, are you going to bring up the crypto Ponzi scheme uh, article in your current events today? I don't think I've got it. Uh, I kind of came across this morning. So um, no, I don't have it. No problem. Uh, ready to go? Here we go. We're just we're just going. I gotta get things ready though. Um, in three, maybe two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week, right here on the Pete the Planner show, is the Richard Milley collaboration with Ferrari. Uh, thinnest watch in the world. Often. Pushing technological boundaries, Richard Milley made a perfect partner with similarly, that's a tough word for me. Kristen, can you do simi similarly? Similarly? I don't Dame? know that that was right. Similarly. Oh, big flex. Uh, Performance-focused Ferrari. The first product to celebrate their partnership isn't merely a stock timepiece with a Ferrari logo. No, 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 no. I added that copy. It's the thinnest watch in the world. It's the Chet Holmgren of watches. The Richard Milley. That was a good reference. The Richard Milley and Ferrari RMUP01 measures just 1.75 millimeters thick. Anytime someone does something's measured in the metric system like that, I can't. 1.75 millimeters thick. Oh, it's three miles wide. Like, what does that mean? It means nothing. It means to me. nothing. <laughs> oh my gosh. I need to be. Uh, anyway, it was the result of years of RD. Unlike many ultra thin watches, it does not use the case back as a base plate. <laughs> no. Instead, retaining the traditional architecture with a clever movement and patented escapement co developed with Audemars Piguet. I, I know. Okay. Uh, oh, do you have one? You have one, Dame? Have one yeah, I've got I've got a few, and it's Mille, by the way, as well. <laughs> What'd I say? <laughs> Millie? Are you very Midwestern of you? 
A function selector sits in the upper left, allowing the crown below it to wind the manual movement or set the hands with the rest of the watch taken up by the dial. Prancing horse detail in a window uh, that allows the remarkable movement to be seen in action. Uh, before we get a price on this thing, um, I, I have to note a couple things. Number one, I have endorsed Dame on LinkedIn for his prancing horse detail. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also like to note that if you look at this watch, if you're on the live stream right now, I have the watch up. The actual watch face is this black speck in the middle. It is less than the size of an unsatisfactory pea. Like think about it, you're about to eat peas and you're, you're angry anyway. And you're like, well, that's a small pea. That's the size of the face of this watch. Kristen, how much do you believe this Rick Mile watch costs someone? How much do you believe it costs? Before I answer, Dame, I'm going to buy a Ferrari. How much is a Ferrari? The, the actual car. Depends on which one you want. I mean, they've uh, got a range. Ballpark. So. Ball, you don't, come on. Don't be the subject matter expert. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere between 250 and they might have a couple versions or one version over a million right now okay and then the watch is six figures oh yeah what do you think, 175 175,000 for the thinnest watch in the world dame as uh what do you think 400 400,000 yeah you were both incorrect for the thinnest watch in the world, which you can't read. And it's ugly. Yeah. I'm sorry. I have progressive lenses because I'm an older gentleman. I could not see what time it is. What's the point? What's the point? It looks like a drawing. Uh, No one knows. Dame, what's in the news this week? Federal Reserve officials have indicated they accept the risks of causing a recession because they're determined to prevent something they view as worse, a change in consumer psychology that could sustain higher inflation. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell acknowledged last week that the central bank's recent turn toward lifting interest rates in a 0.75 percentage point increment, the most aggressive pace since the 80s, raises the chances of an economic downturn. Is there a risk that we could go too far? Certainly there's a risk, but I wouldn't agree that that's the biggest risk to the economy, Mr. Powell said at a central banking forum in Portugal. The biggest mistake to make would be to fail to restore price stability. At the root of this approach is the fear that households and businesses will come to expect high inflation to persist, which can cause it to do so. That would require the Fed to increase rates more than otherwise to break the mindset. That's right. The Fed is worried that we are going to will high inflation to stick around forever. I mean, so basically he's saying that prices across the board will become inelastic and that demand will stay high because we'll be like, well, this is the way it is. I'm going to be a consumer now. Like, I don't like that guy is a lot smarter than me. I don't buy that at all, though. No, Kristen, I, I, you buy that. It goes back to I don't know if it was a week ago or two weeks ago and you're like, Maybe this seems like too simplistic of a view and maybe I just don't get it. But as a consumer, that just doesn't make any sense to me. No, none. Dane, what do you think? No, I, I think Jerry's out out in left field on this. 
I, speaking of prices, and I don't know if you're going to talk about this today, gas prices have come down significantly. Oil prices have come down. And, you know, in the last few weeks, we were talking about the, you know, the, the federal gas tax holidays. Is, is that going to have an impact? Number one, that never went into effect. Number two, it goes to the point of where we were talking about, like, well, President Biden's faced with this, like, really high oil prices, really high gas prices, and everyone yelling at him to do something. So he goes and tries to do just about the only thing he can do to some degree. Some people argue differently. Um, and he, he, he attempts to do it, doesn't do it, doesn't happen. He also doesn't do the other things that people thought he should do. And by the way, oil prices and gas prices come down. So as much as we love to point to the the, the big kahuna as that it's their fault for oil prices and gas prices being so high, I think I think you can argue that's not the case. I would also like to note that gas prices and oil prices are high across the entire world, not just the United States. Do you think uh, if pri- gas prices start coming down that there's you're going to start seeing scraped off stickers of the I did that uh, on gas pumps? No. I saw another one of those this week. If, even if they start coming down, like back to three bucks a gallon, do no. you think they're going to stay there? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I was thinking about it again. Very, very simple with the I did that stickers. Uh, do I agree? No. Is it is it arguably funny and clever? Y- yes. Is it appropriate to vandalize a gas station? No. Right? Even when it's something you don't agree with, it, you can still think it's funny. Yeah. It is funny. A gor, uh, gorgoas, a, a gorgosaurus, sorry, gorgosaurus skeleton with immaculate bone structures going up for auction <laughs> later this month. Sotheby said yesterday, it's not a T-Rex, kind of a shirt tail cousin, but you can probably leave out that small detail as your astonished dinner party guests badger you about your new addition to the foyer, the fossilized skeleton, which measures 10 feet tall and 22 feet long is the only one in private ownership with all the other skeletons being housed in museums. Presale estimate. You want to guess presale estimate for a complete Gorgosaurus? $12 million. (laughs) Five to $8 million presale estimate. Five to $8 million. Well, I I have some inner working knowledge of that. I've seen really? several seasons of Dinosaur Train when my kids were younger on PBS. Oh, yeah. um, is there any more of a rich person move than to own a full dino skeleton? I mean, that is the ultimate and like having forget you money. I mean, I, yes, I think having tigers roam your property probably is right up there. Siegfried and Roy were wealthy, but they were not uber wealthy and they had jungle kitties all over the place. Yeah, Tiger but I'm, I I think I like Mike Tyson. Yeah, <laughs> Tiger King, good point. Had had uh Hello? yeah, it's like it, the billionaire thing now, like the three comma club, it's um number 1, have a way to get to space. <laughs> number 2, <laughs> own ancient lizards. <laughs> number 3, have lists of books that you read at one point in time released by Forbes of how the average person can also become a billionaire. Those things and, drive me nuts. And a rich, rich, uh, Rick Mile watch. A Rick Mile watch. Uh, great show this week. Potluck edition of the show. This is the way it is going forward. Uh, <laughs> Dame will always be the devil eggs. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Chris, Dame, thanks. Did I call you Chris? Yes. Chris, yeah, sure did. Christy, <laughs> thanks for being here. Sending you all good vibes because good vibes are all this in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner 
show. Sorry, Christy. It's fine. Christy. <laughs> Last week you said my name wrong and you've, you've never done that. Like even when I first started here and you were like, well, this is Kristen Elanius. And I was like, what? Like no one gets my name right. And then like of all the times. I when I, we first hired you, I went on YouTube and Googled your last name to hear other people say it. So I didn't know how to say it. That's true. That's commitment. I, I respect that. I like research. Um, does anyone in your life call you Christy? <laughs> you, you, do you think she would allow them to call no, you Christy? <laughs> there is no name that fits you less than Christy. My name doesn't even really fit me to begin with. So yeah, no. Yeah, what would be a better name for Chris? Let's rename Kristen. Caitlin, <laughs> is this a sister? Who is this now? Oh, Caitlin. She's going to call me Christy. That's lovely. Let's rename That's Kristen lovely. here, Dame. I, I don't really... Um, we got what, a couple minutes. Um, what's, your middle, what's your middle name, Chris? I was born in the 90s. What do you think my middle name is? Marie? Yeah. <laughs> is it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's so, pick how's a different that a question? name. Let's pick a different name. I could see being a Kate. My sister's Caitlin. That doesn't yeah, work. I say, that's yeah. not going to work. Okay. I, um, just call her queen. Be done with Danza? It. Danza. We already have one Danza in our life. And yeah. All of my name options were K's as well. So if you would uh, like to keep with the theme. Kylie. Carrie. I like Kendall. Kendall was supposed to be Kendall. Me. Oh, you total Kendall. I could Kendall. totally see that. Or a, mm-hmm. how about a Lauren? I don't know. I think it was like yeah. OC maybe. The mm. thing with Lauren, because sometimes people get it's Lauren, they're like, no, it's Lauren. And then there's like, no, it's Lara or it's Laura or Lara. And it's like, ah, yeah, I don't know. It, it's know. a lot to deal with. How about Kristen? How about, Chris, how about Crystal? No. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all we got. Um, anybody want to say anything? My no. intro to her segment's going to be a lot different next week if we call her Crystal. Do not. I will. Hey, look, Crystal's a perfectly great name. All these names are very nice. No one feels judged. Um, They're not mine. Dame, great <laughs> job uh, on that intro. Christy, I thought you had a, one of your best shows that you've had so far. Thank you. And to everyone else, there's only one thing I can tell you, and that is stay getting money. <laughs>